How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the Board and Browsing Podcast. I'm your host, Danny, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Samson. Howdy. So today's a little different. Unfortunately, Sean couldn't join us, but in his stay, we have the very talented Mark Ellis joining us. Samson, Danny, it's a lot of pressure to step up in Sean's absence today, and so I'm really just here to do what I can. I by no means am trying to replace Sean on your show and get a new gig. I am not trying to axe him out of this and be the third amigo but (laughs) we'll see how the show goes i guess we missed you sean come back soon (laughs) (laughs) and look we're not saying that sean doesn't do a great job because he does but of course the position's always flexible it's open we could see like you know if there's an upgrade there (laughs) who knows how the opportunities present themselves sean they're slandering you i'm not gonna look (laughs) i i've always said this about y'all show sean is easily my third favorite personality that i get to listen to every week so (laughs) sean you can that that is a, a bronze medal in your wheelhouse (laughs) it's actually really funny because whenever i'm not there i'm usually like the brunt of the joke and it winds up leading (laughs) to some of our favorite moments so i feel like now that sean's not here i need to capitalize on that yeah it's the most fun is when they're not here to defend themselves and and because like when i started doing a like a weekly podcast back when when i was doing schmoes no with my friend christian like I was on the road a lot doing stand-up, and so we went live Thursday night. And so a lot of times I'd get back to the hotel room and you know, after the show and had a good show, have a couple beers, see what the gang's talking about back in LA, and they're always just trashing me. So it's just, it's it's par for the course, Sean. <laughs> you, you you suck it up, you you take your licks and you get back in the ring next week. Absolutely. So for those who might not know who you are, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Uh, my name's Mark. I'm the new Sean. My <laughs> history involves uh, a little bit of high school athletics that I still will brag about. And then I transitioned into what can actually pay the bills. If you're a parent, steer your kids in an opposite direction from what <laughs> I do, which is stand-up comedy and podcasting and hosting stuff on TV and online endeavors. So currently I have a great gig that has been a godsend in the pandemic. I'm, I'm the luckiest dude because Rotten Tomatoes has allowed me to continue my hosting of shows like Versus that you can watch on Peacock. And uh, we, we, it's funny because when the pandemic started, we were kind of iterating and, and just doing test versions of a possible podcast that my friend Jacqueline Coley and I were going to co-host. And then pandemic hits next week, I think. I got this fancy microphone set in the mail. And it's like, all right, you're going to be doing this from home. And I was like, all right, I'll just stay in sweatpants. I got no problem with that. And so (laughs) we formed Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong, which um, has been going strong now. I guess our debut episode was like August, but it was a lot of tests and, you know, the, the feeling out process, is, as I'm sure you guys know of. And where we are now, it's 20, 25 episodes deep. And we do a new movie every week where the premise of the show, Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong, is we're talking about the tomato meter. So if there's a movie that is fresh on the tomato meter that I or Jacqueline or our guest of the week thinks is rotten, we're going to talk about it. But there's also those ro- movies that are rotten that you love, and we'll talk about those too. So... We welcome all kinds of movies. The worse, the better. The better, the better. It doesn't matter. We just love celebrating cinema. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. 
So, I mean, how did you get your start working for Rotten Tomatoes? Like, what was the initial transition into the star athlete that you you say you are into (laughs) who you are now? Five rec league basketball championships. Some of the trophies are still at the comedy store, and then we broke the other two, I think. But with Ron Tomatoes, it, it really was an evolution of when you when you move to L.A., you're, you're looking for anything you can do in the world of entertainment. If you're like me and you want to be a comedian, right? So mm-hmm. you, you don't always have the, the plum stage opportunities when you're doing open mics. And so you say, look, I'll be a jack of all trades. I'll act. I'll audition for commercials. If there's a hosting opportunity, if there's any if there's a radio gig if there's anything that i can do to publicly speak and build my brand and my platform and these are words that i had no concept of back when i started you do it and and you take that odd gig and sometimes that gig is in the world of stand-up and you're driving three hours to do a bar for free drinks and my buddy christian harloff who was also a stand-up comic who was pretty established in, in la he was booking good shows and he was touring and doing all that him and I became buddies and we love talking about movies and cracking each other up. And so long story boring is we started this YouTube channel called Schmoes No, where we would review movies. And that started with us sneaking into movies. You know, you buy a ticket for one and then you see it and then you sneak into the other theater so you can yeah. knock out two reviews for the price of one. And <laughs> that was back when they really started you know, getting excited, the movie theater concessions workers about that large popcorn that you get a free refill. (laughs) And it's kind of like daring you to eat a full large popcorn. And it's like, well, they don't know I'm sneaking into another movie. So I'm going to be here for a while. So (laughs) it probably gained a good 15, 20 pounds during our Schmoes No Days. But (laughs) since that started, it kind of got us a little bit of notoriety and the channel became pretty popular. And we actually became the first sort of YouTube video primarily based movie reviewers to be certified on the tomato meter. And that was a real feather in our cap at the time. And so that got the attention of some of the brass at Rotten Tomatoes a little bit. And we had been friendly with a lot of them and the way that they evolved their video and now podcast production has sort of been at the same timeline as what Christian and I were doing. And so Christian had some great opportunities over at Rotten Tomatoes as well that he took advantage of five, six years ago. And then he started working full time for our company, the movie trivia Schmodown, which is still going on. It's a fun movie trivia show that we host. And Rotten Tomatoes hit me up about possibly doing something. And I came in and we talked about the something we could do. And that evolved into multiple somethings. And my story is really just somebody who just hustles. I'm just a gym rat in the world of, you know, put me on camera. I'll try to be entertaining. I'll try to crack a joke. I'll try to say something insightful. And while it hasn't happened yet on y'all's show, we still got a long way to go. There's a chance. Yeah, absolutely. I know you were saying that, like, you moved out to L.A. and you were really hitting the, the ground with the stand-up. Were you, how, how long had you been doing that be, before you moved out there? So I never did stand up proper when I was in college. I went to Wake Forest University, which is in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And there was like a local TV station or like the college TV station and the college radio station. So I'd pop in and do stuff like that. But I really knew I wanted to do stand up. But the problem is Wake is amongst, if not the smallest school in the FBS. And so if you were doing a show at the bar on campus or the restaurant just off campus, 
all your friends are going to know and they're all going to show up. And a lot of people who are beginning stand up make the mistake of inviting their friends to come watch them the first time they're doing it <laughs> because you think, oh, no, I want a nice home crowd. And you don't realize, yeah. no, because you're going to have to see those people the next day. Like, <laughs> I want to get the hell out of Dodge. I want to go to an entirely new place where it's nothing but strangers. Because yeah. when you break it down, stand-up comedy in its purest form is you presenting yourself to a group of strangers who've never met you, you've never met them, and can you make them laugh? And so I drove from North Carolina down to Atlanta to do a few different gigs because I wanted to go to like a metropolis where I knew that if I drove there and made the distance, I could pop into a few different open mics. So yeah. first night was the Uptown Comedy Corner. Second, third night were uh, punchlines. And I got progressively worse each time. I got some laughs the first night and then it just got progressively <laughs> awful. And then I, I continued to just maybe every other week I would find an open mic in Charlotte mm -hmm. at the Comedy Zone. I drove to Ohio to do a Halloween party that I somehow <laughs> got myself booked on. It was a disaster. I felt like I was in the movie from dusk till dawn right before everybody turns into vampires. Oh, but no. <laughs> you make it through. You get those those hurting pounds, those reps. And I felt confident enough to move to LA to give it a real shot where you could get up on stage somewhere yeah, night after night after night, multiple times each evening and really work on your craft. And I was like, I had a buddy who was already living out here, one of my best friends from high school, and he had just broken up with his girlfriend. I just broken up with my girlfriend. And so I slept on his couch for, I don't know, three, four months. And then he was living right off sunset. And so I could walk to the laugh factory and the comedy store and do their open mics. I could nice, get right yeah. down to the improv and do their open mic in every bar, restaurant, senior center, whatever the gig was, <laughs> I would do it. And that's always been my mentality is the, the more, the harder you work, you're really just out here creating opportunities for yourself. So if you don't cash them all in, that's fine. Life is all about making more opportunities and Eventually, I was able to make a home from that training into doing hosting and TV and podcasting, like what I get to do with Rotten Tomatoes. So it's yeah, a lot of hard work, sure. but it's also a lot of luck. It, it, you all are just listening to me, but um, for <laughs> to speak for Danny and Sam, I mean, I'm nothing to look at. So it really <laughs> all boils down to this voice. It's the only thing I got going for me. <laughs> see, Samson, that's why I never went to go see yours or Sean's show is because I cared about your career and I want to see you <laughs> prosper. And clearly not having the home crowd benefits you in the future. Yeah. Yeah. For, I, I'm sure we've said this on the podcast before, but Sean and I did stand up for a while before the pandemic hit. My girlfriend used to get really I, I completely agree with you, Mark, about um, not wanting people, you know, to be there. Yep. Sean invited a couple of his roommates one time. And I was like, oh, God, no, <laughs> no, no, no. And my girlfriend would always get mad because she thought I was like hiding something. She'd be like, why? Why can't I go? Why? Can't, why? Why don't you want me to see? Yeah. I'm like the, yeah. the best way to get them over that that syndrome of why can't I go is to let them go once. <laughs> and then, yeah. like, and then they oh, see how okay. bad you're doing. <laughs> and realize yeah. they don't want to go got it I, I i've never felt such deep shame after like after like saying a joke about like sonic erotic fanfic and just having like <laughs> dead air for like two seconds and being like oh okay i can't let anybody see me like at that low point 
Not that I know. It's yeah. a double-edged sword, man. It, yeah. it, it really is. Because if you're doing just an open mic where there's no pressure to bring anybody, it's probably not that good of a show. And you're probably going to be heckled by the Frappuccino machine once every 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. if, if you're doing a show that is a little more established, that somebody runs, if they're booking a newer comic, they're going to say, well, yeah, I'll give you five or 10 minutes on stage. But you have to bring a certain amount of friends. You, you have yeah. to bring X amount of people. So those are called bringer shows. And so generally those audiences are better because they all at least know that they're there to see stand up, but you have to put some legwork in and there's only so many friends that can go to your show so many times. So right. the fact yeah. that you haven't played the Danny card yet is very <laughs> smart. Wait until you just need that one extra friend to get on that really good show that you know you're going to kill. That's when Danny... And hopefully me, I'll fly in for that one, Sammy. I'm, I'm flying <laughs> to do that. Hey, thanks, man. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, no, I, I, I would say the other two definitely are better for stand-up shows. I'm not very versed behind the microphone, but one of the, one of the similar things I've been doing lately is like streaming on Twitch and I get the feel of like having to run the one man show and just keep the audience going, even if they're not making anything. And it's so difficult to just be up there and be in front of people and just hope that what you're saying lands in some capacity to just keep talking and, and trying to entertain an audience. And with Twitch, it's different because you can see comments in real time, but you can't really tell if a joke is hitting. And so that's something that we've all had to make a transition to in these challenging times because i've done some virtual stand-up shows i did one the most recent one was for new year's and and it's me live on a stage at a place but it's just the crew and a couple of my comedian buddies that were doing sets in front of no one that's live it's being broadcast live to the world so people are watching and you hope that they're enjoying it but just a very right. different thing and what you realize is that once you get comfortable enough being in front of real people and telling jokes night after night, everything else becomes easier to do, in my opinion, anyway. That's still the best. That's like the best drug out there is doing stand-up. But if you tell me, okay, well, if you look at whether it's going to the Middle East and doing shows for the troops or doing TV sets or taping a special, then you get back in a studio and you're doing a podcast or you're, you're hosting something, it's like, oh, this is this is a piece of cake. I can do this. <laughs> right. Absolutely. So so speaking of uh, stand-up, you also mentioned to us that you have your own stand-up special on Amazon, right? Uh, Dog Stepfather? I do, yeah, yeah. Dog Stepfather um, came out uh, last year, and the response has been great. I appreciate so many people watching it. So it's available. I think it's available right now. You can just w click on it on YouTube now, too, if you want to. But it's also on Amazon Prime streaming. So, And there's a lot of clips you'll hear on like SiriusXM and stuff like that. So it was sure. a really good time right before the... <laughs> the thing hit i had my special coming out and i had all these comedy central appearances and i had um this this iteration of a podcast and in with rotten tomatoes and um luckily rotten tomatoes has really kept me from going crazy from turning into jack torrance from the shining just <laughs> me cooped up with uh, molly the wonder dog here and it gives you a creative outlet because that's all we're really asking for at the end of the day is like i understand yeah. it's not safe to go in front of a packed crowd I just yeah. need something to remain creative and Rotten Tomatoes has just been a godsend. Sure. So when you were building up to doing this special, did you find like you were using some of the jokes I'd like kept evolving over the years or was it all new material for you? That was the culmination 
of a lot for the most part. I mean, it, it's an hour special and I had an hour pretty ready to go and I was going to go tape it. And two things happened right before I went to go tape it. Like literally two weeks before I was taping the special, it was, I was taping in Chicago at a big rock venue and both shows were sold out and we're ready to go. And I got the crew and everything set. And then I'm with the dog at the dog park and this bigger dog who is one of Molly's friends saw me do my kissy face with Molly and the dog thought I was threatening Molly and the dog just bit me, Whoa. Bit me in the Whoa. face. So I have all this blood coming out of my face and I'm like, oh my God. And I ended up getting getting stitched up okay and the makeup artist was able to like fix it. So that's one thing. Yeah. And then I had to talk about it. So that material <laughs> that I'm doing is obviously new. It's not like I, I was doing this, oh, a dog just bit me bit for years and I had to make my face look like Frankenstein's neck. No, that, that had just happened. And then the other thing was much better news. That was that there was this new stand-up show that Comedy Central was doing with Bill Burr, who I've known for a long time. And I booked a set doing on that that was going to tape literally this like three days after my special tape. So I had to fly back to LA, but I also had to carve out six battle tested minutes for that. So I basically looked yeah. at my hour set right before I taped and I was like, okay, I'm going to move this six minute chunk, do that on Comedy Central. And then I hope this new stuff works okay with the special that i already planned on doing and luckily everything worked out so it's it, i mean and, and that's pretty much any comics experience taping a special is there's going to be so many curveballs that get thrown at you last minute whether it's production or it's a sensor or it's just you feel like doing something new that night because you have that creative urge and the key is to not panic because you've done this for a long time you know how to adjust on the fly you have that fight or flight instinct and with me in particular, I'm so lucky that I have such a cool built-in audience that is just that they love stand-up. They're big movie fans for the most part, and they were awesome the night of the special. And, and they're always awesome when I get to get out on the road. So that's the thing I miss the most. Sure. Yeah. Out of, out of curiosity, could you give me your who are your top three favorites uh, in terms of comedians? Um, my top three favorites, since I haven't seen you perform yet, I can't put you in there. <laughs> my top three favorite all-time comics, Chris Rock is still number one for me. Yeah. He's just so good at everything. He is. Bill Burr is way up there. Also amazing. Yep. David Tell is pretty high on my list mm -hmm. right now. But there, there's really, and you do this for long enough and you get to become friendly with these people and it's just awesome. I mean, even my contemporaries that I'm just blown away by how prolific they are. Well, one of my yeah. best friends in comedy is Eliza Schlesinger and I think she's got now five specials on Netflix. And yeah. she's from up in, in a, or she went to college up in y'all's neck of the woods. Oh, really? And she's just so talented. And so I'm just in awe watching her do, do her thing and, and how easily... It seems, because I know how much hard work mm -hmm. she puts in, how effortlessly it appears that she's just creating all this new material that is just so hard hitting. So those are yeah. those are some good ones for the Mark Ellis starter kit for inspiration. <laughs> all right. I know Bill Burr also makes Samson's list. He talks about him a ton on the podcast. <laughs> I do. I'm a big Bill Burr fan. Which movie was it that Bill Burr was in that you were like recommending really hardcore? Oh, King of Staten Island. I feel like he made that movie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is great in that movie and it's been fun to watch him 
matriculate in his career because he like pop up and stuff like Breaking Bad. And you're like, mm-hmm. wait, he's he's got some acting chops here, old he, Billy. He does. And and he does. then I was so excited because the night that we were taping his show, him and I were were talking in the green room. And again, keep in mind, I just flown back from Chicago. The other thing in Chicago happening that weekend that I was trying to kind of capitalize off of was Star Wars celebration, the giant Star Wars convention that's mm. either every year or biannual. And I'm a yeah. monster Star Wars nerd. And so me and a bunch of my friends were there anyway, just to, because we wanted to go to Star Wars Celebration and see all the cool new stuff. They aired a the first look at The Mandalorian. Oh, wow. Oh. The show that's now streaming on Disney+. Plus. That was the first look anybody had really seen in depth of it. And Bill Burr popped up in it for a sec. And <laughs> so some people were like, did you know Bill Burr? I was like, I had no idea Bill Burr was in it. Three, four days later, we're taping this thing, and I'm like, "You didn't. T- you're in the Mandalorian," and he started laughing, and he's like, "Yeah, just because he knows I'm a Star Wars fan," and it, it was just that thing where he knows that there's nine other questions coming, and so he just has to cut it off at the head. He's like, "I don't, I don't know anything about this world. I showed up, I did a job. Please, I don't have any spoilers. I don't know anything. I don't know what anything is. Relax." So, so speaking on TV shows, I mean, one of the core things about Board and Browsing is that we talk about what we've been watching and then we give our recommendations, right? So is there anything that you've been watching lately that you're just like, you got to go check this out or it is really bad. Do not watch this. Because <laughs> we, we like both. I am, I am surprisingly a very tough audience when it comes to following through with the tv show like i'll make it through any movie i love movies and i'm a big fan of television we're in the heyday of of great tv and with streaming services right now absolutely but for me to finish a show to completion that's a rare thing like for example there's a showtime series that i was excited about with brian cranston called your honor Mm -hmm. and i was watching it and i was pretty locked in and that became my new sunday night or dvr at monday night ritual is watching your honor and i was just like after four or five episodes i was like you know what i think i'm just i think the show's manipulating me a little too much and um it stressed me out a little bit and i don't think i'm gonna finish watching this show sure no idea what happens <laughs> in the last two episodes <laughs> so it would mean it was entertaining but it's like nah, nah not for me so the ones that i actually have finished that do not involve a baby muppet named grogu in a galaxy far far away <laughs> would be Whew. I'm a big sports fan, so I watch a lot of sports documentaries. Obviously, I'm sure people have said The Last Dance on your show. Samson has, yeah. The HBO documentary Tiger that just aired was great. I'm, I'm a massive nice. fan of, of Tiger in particular, but I love watching golf. And so I knew most of the stuff, but it, it was great storytelling. There's also something, this might be the first time anybody's been on your show recommending something that they haven't seen, is I saw the first episode of the documentary that showtime did on the comedy store my home club oh and it's fantastic and the only reason i didn't continue to watch it is because it just triggered me in a way that i i missed being there night after night so so much and it celebrates the whole history of it and so you have everybody from david letterman pops in um literally every famous comic that came from there that's still around is talking about this place that we all love and i just missed it and so i was like i'm gonna wait until i can actually get back there take advantage of this inspiration night after night again yeah so 
I haven't finished it, but everybody who's watched it has told me that it's it's just as good as the promise of that first episode. So that's awesome. Yeah. What, the, so what's that called? What's that uh, series called? I believe it's just the Comedy Store. All right, cool. Easy enough to remember. I know what Samson's going to watch. Yeah. Accurately titled. Yeah, yeah. Samson, you're, you're going to get such a kick out of it, and you're going to be jonesing to get back on the stage. And so it's a trepidatious recommendation for me because it, it's a, still a little tough to do that right now. There's certain places in the country where you can get up, and I'm setting up some tour dates nice. in those places for the summer, but it, it's still a little too early for me to be like, yeah, let me let me take a look at this show. Let me relive the history of my favorite <laughs> yeah. place in the world to be at. Right. Understandable. Oh, that's awesome. I'll have to give that a look. Samson, have you been watching anything? Yeah. So recently I finally finished Veep. It took me It took me a while. Uh, season six took a long time to get through. <laughs> season six is rough. But um, <laughs> I just wanted to say like it sticks to landing in the end. It's actually really solid. I feel like season seven especially after such a rocky season six was it was nice and short and it was relatively exciting and i think that that show like the last 20 minutes of its final episode are like really solid um so i highly recommend veep uh it takes a bit to get into there's like a lot of characters to like get used to and get to know but like once you get familiar with them and um, it, it's very rewarding and it's very fun. I mean, like bleak might be too strong of a word, but it's like not a positive show. No, it it's is like, not. <laughs> it's like one of the most negative comedies I've ever seen. But like it's great satire. The cast is awesome. And um, man, the arcs they give some of the characters, especially in the final season, are are phenomenal. If you like satire and if you like political satire, I, I highly recommend it, especially if you like Louis, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Yeah, she's so good. Yeah, she's, she's great so amazing. She's so good. The cast they put around her is amazing. And the, the biggest credit I can give Veep is because I, I watched Game of Thrones and I enjoyed it with everyone else. Mm -hmm. I If you gave me a, a, a quiz, I have no idea what any of the names are. I can just tell you, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the guy with the, the golden thing for a hand now. It, but it was so great to have Veep be that reliable palate cleanser. Because like, yes. you know, like Game of Thrones yeah. would air on Sunday night and it's like, whoa, that was some heavy stuff, man. We're talking dragons and they just murdered everybody at this wedding. And then you have Veep. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Veep is just, it, the jokes are so fast. So the one thing I challenge yeah. anybody to do with Veep is you can rewatch that show. You can rewatch the same episode three times and catch new stuff in there every time. The, the writing is that tight. Mm. Yeah. Honestly, like in the delivery too is just so like, sometimes the insults they're throwing out are just so constant and just there's nothing like that seems extraordinary extraordinary about them because it just happens so much that like you don't even catch the things they're mm -hmm. saying as jokes yeah it's yeah i wouldn't even call the jokes like forced either like there's a ton of insults no. and jokes that happen like rapid fire but they don't feel like they're all shoved in for the point of just like insulting each other like each time they bring out a new insult or a new joke it, it feels br like it feels innovative and brand new and you're like holy crap that's so funny yeah mm -hmm. and i think that's one of the credits you got to give to the writing team of veep because they they just understood how to do these character reactions these character relations and they really understood how the character or the actors themselves had chemistry with each other yeah i'm also hoping that like that, and that's what I think like Avenue it's, it's Avenue five. Right? It's Avenue I always five want, yeah. Okay. I always want to say Avenue six, which makes no goddamn sense. <laughs> but like, I, that's what I think that like that show was like so close. That it's show was so like close. so close, but it just fell short in just such a way for, for me at least 
that like it, it wasn't quite a veep. I just felt like the characters weren't all built for that kind of rapid fire yeah joke and insults like like veep was but i'm hoping season two i i feel like i feel like they definitely can find their footing still i'm really i'm really hoping for it the cast of that show is so good it's really good i will i will say though so i made a video on youtube which was reviewing every tv show i saw in 2020 in 10 words or less and for that show the review i gave was josh gad single-handedly sings the space odyssey and <laughs> i really feel like he is the one weak link that brings down the entire show. Really? Because it's not like any of the actors are doing bad, and I don't think he's personally doing bad. I just think the way his character is written makes the entire show so much worse. And he always feels like a burden in every scene that he's in. But the, the episode, I think it was the second to last episode with the airlock one, that gave me a glimpse of how good this show could be. And if they can replicate that success for that episode, I feel like Avenue 5 is going to be the next beep. But if they can't yeah. carry that energy, I don't see how the show really succeeds in the future. Yeah. Have Have you seen it yet, Mark? No, I was going to say y'all are doing your your, your job because now I need to check out Avenue Five. Like <laughs> it, it's always so tough because Veep sets such a high bar anyway for any comedy show. Right. And it's so hard to tell after an initial season of comedy television if they gelled if if they are gelling if this is hey we just got to put this season together hope it's successful and then we really shift into third gear in season two and with a guy as versatile and talented as josh gad i got to think that that's the writing or, or, or something else that's bothering yeah. you or maybe yeah. just the way that his character set up but it sounds like something that that i hope continues because you go back in the history of of sitcom television and a lot of those pilots or even the whole first season are so rocky and just disjointed yeah. and just not what the show ultimately became. And so I, I like to give a little bit of a pass if I can to the season one of any comedy. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I, I also want to say like one one defense I have I, I think Josh Gad is pretty solid in 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 this show. And I do think that like again, like what you were saying, Mark, like just finding out like who kind of meshes the best. And uh I, I think Pitting Josh Gad and um, Hugh Laurie against each other is a really is a really great dynamic that they have in this show, and I think that if they kind of lean on that a little bit harder, I think that'll yeah. launch that show. Yeah, they don't do that enough. They usually put him with his assistant, who is just kind of like a yes woman whenever she's around him. But as soon as she like as soon as his character leaves, she turns into someone super interesting and like has all these crafty opinions and just kind of shit talks him. But when she's <laughs> in his shadow, that's when it just feels like she's just listening to whatever he says and going along with it. But yeah, I actually recently watched this movie on HBO called Irresistible, which was written by Jon Stewart, starring Steve Carell and Rose Byrne. It's like huh. this political commentary sort of about Steve Carell and Rose Byrne are campaign managers and they discover this this man in a small town in wisconsin who has the potential to be like the next big democratic leader for the party because he's conservative but at the same time stands up for like immigration and stuff so steve carell heads out there to try and convince him to become a democrat and it's the whole story about like building up the party and his mayoral run and it's good i didn't love it I wouldn't give it like a highly recommended, but I thought it was really enjoyable. I thought the writing at times was a little cringe, but if you can look past some of it, I think they're, they're doing a good job. I really like what the actors were doing, and I especially like the dynamic between Rose Byrne and Steve Carell throughout the movie. I would second that opinion. 
I enjoyed it. I, I didn't think it was great. And and to be honest, with the talent involved in front of him behind the camera, I was hoping for for something pretty incredible and groundbreaking. And it wasn't that. I didn't feel like we broke a lot of new ground, but I would also say that to to borrow the line from my podcast is I do think Rotten Tomatoes is is wrong here because on the tomato meter, I think Irresistible is it's definitely rotten. I think it's maybe like 40-ish percent. Hmm. And and I feel like this movie could limp to fresh. It, it, it's not going to be yeah. a it heralded as a great piece, but I, I think it, I could get it to like a 60, 65 <laughs> percent. I honestly feel like Steve Carell had a rough 2020 year because Space Force was not good. And that was the other thing he was in that I remember he was in. Right. And I like I feel like that was, 2020 was just a rough year for everyone. So maybe 2021 is the, the recovery year for him. Seems like I mean, that a show like Space Force. I remember thinking this could be a monster hit simply because yeah, of the time yeah. it was released where we're all at home and we're still adjusting to this and we could probably use a laugh. And it was taking this real life branch of the military that had just been born into existence. <laughs> and so it was ripe for all of this material and it it just I, I got some chuckles out of it that's another one of those shows that fell victim to my binging style which is i'll give you a, sh- a chance and i always give comedies more of an opportunity but i didn't finish space force Me i mean either. i saw a few episodes and i i, I kind of picked up what it was and it j- just didn't really live up to the promise and so I, neither one of these I pin on Steve Carell. I, I, I think he's great. Yeah. And so yeah. I think he's going to be, I think he'll rebound just fine. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. So on your podcast, you and your co-host, you, you come up with movies each week, right? How, how do you, how do you determine which movie it is you're going to be talking about? <laughs> it's a, it's a pretty collaborative process between us and the host, me and Jacqueline and our great producer, Lucy, and the behind the scenes team at Rotten Tomatoes. So it's a collective of ideas. We're not just having one person say, okay, you need to talk about Venom this week. Ah, this week, Wonder Woman 1984. It's really the Abraham Lincoln style of government where we're going to (laughs) sit in a big room virtually and figure out what the best movies are. So it, it boils down to those movies that have made it into the zeitgeist somehow. And whether those are gigantic movies like a Star Wars movie, we did Rise of Skywalker recently, or it's something that maybe slipped under the cracks, but but is a beloved film like Sister Act 2, which I had no idea had all of this love and groundswell of support because it was so low on the tomato meter, and it kind of leaves you scratching your head. And so it's fun to kind of delve into those things. So any movie that allows us the opportunity to have a interesting discussion with people on both sides of the equation there have been movies where we're all celebrating the same thing because it's just how can this movie be rotten we all love it but sometimes the best conversation is the one where there are disagreements and debates yeah. that mm-hmm. pop up so it's at the end of the day w- whether we think a movie's terrible or great or somewhere in between it still is a celebration of movies because movies are so much fun to talk about you go see one with your friends at the theater and afterwards that is what the conversation starter for the rest of the night is. And we really wanted to give the audience that opportunity, even in a time where you may not have that luxury in real life. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can definitely say that disagreements bring some pretty interesting conversations because so Samson and I pretty recently had a big disagreement about his dark materials, the the TV show on HBO, mm-hmm. because he loves it. And I think it was really bad. So so 
just going back and forth for weeks as he was catching up to the episodes. I'm like, I don't like it. It's not going to be good. And he's like, I don't know. I'll give it a shot. And then bringing up the culmination when we both watched it. That was that was a fun time. Yeah, it's well, yeah, it's funny because that one is is definitely a fresh movie. Uh, or uh, sorry, a uh, show, and it's it, it's I I haven't watched the whole thing yet, but it's like one of those things that it appears to really polarize at least the people in my social circle as to whether they think it's great or they think it's just eh. But the the tomato meter says it's fresh, so yeah. I think it's over eighty percent. The the weird thing is like with that show, I feel like I know multiple people that are caught up with it and continue to watch it. But I'm the only person that likes it. <laughs> like, I don't know, like, why everyone's watching this show if they don't like it. But like, also, I love the book series. That's true. That's true. I just like. I also don't understand. Like, I I know a decent amount of people that are like caught up, and I feel like I'm the only one that 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 likes it. It's very it's very lonely on on this on this hill. I think a lot of people have those shows though, where it's like you you just think that this is the week we turn it around. This is the mm. week we get it together. There's <laughs> so much promise here. And for me, I don't necessarily have a show currently that I'm watching like that because I just lived through this NFL season and I'm a Washington football fan. And so every oh, week no. was kind of like, oh God, I think we could get it together. Is it going to happen? Are we going to show up in the first half and? We limped to the playoffs, so I guess I guess my season was was a win for any Washington fan. It's like, hey, it's something to talk about. <laughs> yeah. I'm a Giants fan, so believe me, I, I know what it's like to be lower yeah. on the, the ladder there. It's a very fun <laughs> game to watch, the last game of the year for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Wait, so when this episode came out, technically it's like after the Super Bowl, but for us it's going to be like a week or two later. Were there any commercials you saw during the Super Bowl that you really enjoyed? Because I'm just thinking that off the top of my head. I love the Super Bowl for the football, first of all. And the movie trailers I always get very excited about. And we didn't have a lot of movie trailers at all this year, which really bummed me out because yeah. last year we got that we got a Top Gun Maverick trailer. I was hoping mm -hmm. we get some Godzilla versus Kong stuff because that drops in a couple months on HBO Max and in theaters. But the commercials that I really enjoyed. I thought the Jason Alexander hoodie was pretty funny. That was good. That was a good one. And which I guess was a Tide commercial, I think. And then there, there was an M&M's one that I was like, okay, that, I enjoyed that. That was fine. And then everything else, I was just really taking advantage of the fact that it was like a normal football game where it's like, okay, <laughs> commercials, let me take the dog out, pee, let me refresh my beverage, that sort of thing. So it was really sure. more of a game-oriented Super Bowl experience for for the Ellis household. <laughs> Samson, did you watch the Super Bowl? I, I did not. I don't watch anime. I don't want it to sound like I'm an anime fanboy, but I'm 70 episodes deep in My Hero Academia after like two weeks. So I watched <laughs> that instead of the Super Bowl this year. That's fair. That's fair. Oh, I feel shame. I really loved the Falcon and Winter Soldier trailer. Yes. And I think that was like the first time I saw anything for that show that sold me on like, okay, this could be pretty good. This could be pretty fun. Because in terms of the trailers I've seen for Marvel recently, like WandaVision has been killing it. It's been an amazing show. I'm super excited for Loki and that trailer looked great. And this one just kind of looked like an eh show, like a good filler to pass the time. But after seeing that trailer, I was like, okay, all right, I can get behind this. It looked fun. The the Winter Soldier Falcon rival buddy frenemy romance dynamic looks like a hoot throughout the entire program. And 
as opposed to, and I even did this with Mandalorian this for season two is I just do my best to avoid the spoilers on social media, but I, I do like to have a little bank of episodes. So I'm not watching it when it drops like everyone else. So I haven't started WandaVision yet, but I knew people were going to be fighting about it because it's such a left turn and such a different in- endeavor for Marvel and the MCU. So I knew there was going to be a lot of arguments after the first few episodes about what are we doing? Where is this going? Because people are so used to having the whole season drop or the whole movie. And then we have a post credit scene and that's all we get for six months. So yeah. this I- I'm-, I'm letting the whole scenario play out. But it seems like people are being won over to this show who may have been on the fence initially, which which gives me a lot of hope. And it, it also, I just think it's an affirmation that it doesn't matter how much of a cash cow or a assembly line product you put out to the masses, there's always room to try something different, to, yeah. to throw the curveball. And so that's what I'm appreciating about WandaVision, having not actually seen it yet. Yeah. I will say it made my jaw drop after episode five. I was genuinely like, did they actually do that? Is that actually the direction we're going in? Okay, Marvel, I see what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I know what happens even though I haven't seen the show. <laughs> but yeah, so I think this is a great time to transition into the game that we like to play when we have guests on called Why Should You Care? So the way this game works is we each have a minute elevator pitch to convince the others to check out something they've been watching, listening, hanging out to, like a podcast, a TV show. Literally, you can do anything that you've been checking out. Sean is a big favorite of going to like grocery stores and talking about random foods that he found. When we had our guest uh, actor Vincent Martella on, he convinced him to check out these like green beans that were dill pickles. It it was weird, (laughs) but like sold all of us on it. So, so when we say, like, a minute for anything, we mean a minute for anything. Okay. And then alternatively, if you don't want to use your minute to convince us of something, you can use your minute to convince us to not check out someone else's. So let's say, for example, I used my minute to convince everyone to watch Umbrella Academy. If Samson didn't like it, he could use his minute to say, no, do not watch this. It is a bad show. And then Ooh, afterwards, you okay. decide which one you feel. Okay, so, so we just basically call this the His Dark Materials uh, minute so we can have a fervent potential for debate uh I'm, I'm all in that's true that's true yeah i mean i mean if anyone would like to go first i think he, you should go first danny i can go set, first. set the stage yeah, yeah yeah let me pull up my timer and then i will take it away in three two one so when this episode is airing valentine's day just happened Maybe you were with someone, maybe you weren't, but if you really are craving that rom-com style movie, I want to recommend About Time. Now, About Time is probably one of the wackiest time travel-based movies I've seen, where time travel is not the key part of it. So even though your main character can time travel, it's about the stories he has and learning to appreciate life and just kind of being in the moment. And that's what I really love about it. I think the cast of Dom Hall Gleason and Rachel McAdams and Bill Nighy are incredible. This is one of the only movies that's ever made me sob, and that doesn't happen super often. I, I like, you can shed a tear. I shed a tear to Toy Story, but this movie had me bawling. Like, it, it was that good. And I think it's just so incredible because it really balances the rom-com aspects with just general life things, and you feel for these characters. You relate to them. You follow their path. You understand how they're going, and you think, yeah, he has time travel, but he actually just doesn't need it. Time travel isn't making his life better, so that's why I recommend About Time. And that's been my minute. That was good. So, would you guys check out About Time? I've seen it, and I would say... If I had not seen it and had no context for it, yes, because you hit on the coolest elements of About Time, which is this rom-com, which I'm a sucker for, 
And the fact that we do get to dabble in this sci-fi element of it, the, the time travel aspect, I, you, you got me hooked. You got me enough. And you mentioned <laughs> the cast alone. You're thinking about it. And then with a cool angle like that, we've all seen every rom-com. I've seen a lot of Hallmark movies, seen a lot of Lifetime movies. I know how rom-coms work. So if you can spin it differently with a little bit of technology or a little bit of luck or some random thing, a wrinkle in time, you got Mark Ellis's dollar. <laughs> Sweet. Samson, what about you? Yeah, you know what? You sold me, Danny. I'll, I'll check it. Where Let's can go. you watch it? Let's go. Is, do you know if there's anywhere you can watch it? HBO. All right. You know what? I'll give it a look. Hell yeah. <laughs> Who would like to go next? <laughs> it's up to you, Mark. Your choice. Yeah. Okay. I'll, uh, you want to put a minute on the clock for me, Danny? Yeah, I got you. Just let me know when you're ready to go. All right. Why don't you count me down? Three, two, one. And then I'm... Then I'm selling soap. <laughs> Three, <laughs> two, one. Let me interest everybody in my 2020 Ford Fusion and why you should buy it. No, no, no. Let me start. No, you know what? <laughs> Let's talk about the Nexium cult. No, I'm not trying <laughs> to wrap you in a cult. I promise. <laughs> but I am going to talk about The Vow, which is the documentary show based on real life experiences by people who were bamboozled into joining the Nexium cult. It's actually a show made by a director, some filmmakers, some people who are well-known actors who got sucked into this thing, found themselves escaping it, and then making this documentary with footage that they were filming for a pro-Nexium documentary that they had been tasked by the cult leader himself, Keith Ranieri, to film. 10 seconds. So you get to see what it's like being in a cult. How do you get out of a cult? What's the backlash? Everything you love about a cult without actually having to join. And time. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I am sold. Yeah. Where, where can I watch this? Oh, you guys haven't seen it. It's on, uh, it's on HBO. So now you, you can check it out on, on HBO Max. Whoo! It is. <laughs> it, it, it's 10 episodes. I think it's 10 episodes. Maybe eight, nine episodes, somewhere in there. And... The only, the only issue I have with it is that just because of the way the story is told, it feels a little repetitive. So you have no idea if you're on season or on episode three or on episode seven, but do yourself a favor. Try not to do any research outside of what the documentary is telling you until after you All finish right. it, then see what, what the updates are. And it is just, it, it's an incredible, I'm, I'm so fascinated by cults anyway. I'm also checking out that <laughs> Heaven's Gate one. But this one is, it is worth your time. Trust me. Yeah. No, I will definitely awesome. check yeah. it out. Yeah. I didn't know they had um, like actual footage or anything either. So uh, much. So That is so nuts. Much. That, that sold me. Yeah. I'm, I'm very excited to check that out. I've week. been really into documentaries lately. And this sounds like something right up my alley. Like th mm -hmm. this sounds like the best of all documentary worlds. Yeah. Y'all get a kick out of it. Just sweet. Don't fall down the rabbit hole of... Joining a cult. <laughs> joining a cult, yeah. I would say the closest I ever came to joining a cult was joining a pyramid scheme. Okay. Where it's just like, like it's a, it's a similar atmosphere. And then I realized shortly on that it was a pyramid scheme and left shortly after. <laughs> it's like me joining a gym. Like, you just walk <laughs> in and you're like, wait a minute, I don't trust any of you people. <laughs> right, so Samson, it's your turn for Why Should You Care? All right. Here we go. All right. Today, I'm going to pitch the movie True Lies starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> I just finished it recently, and my lord, is this an absurd movie. Um, so this movie is about Arnold Schwarzenegger, who play who is in real life a spy for the U.S. government, doing all sorts of badass spy stuff, but... He's also a family man, and nobody knows that he's a badass spy. And he's married to Jamie Lee Curtis, and he neglects her because he's a badass spy. But she thinks that he's just a nerdy computer salesman with those giant <laughs> rippling pectorals and biceps, and that he's just boring and vanilla. Little does she know. So she starts allegedly having an affair with somebody else, and hijinks ensue, and Arnold Schwarzenegger abuses his powers as a spy to kidnap Jamie Lee Curtis, and they have all sorts of adventures that may or may not lead them to appreciate each other again. <laughs> wow. Okay. That was... I, I'm a big fan of the movie True Lies, and that... I don't... If I had never seen it, I don't know that that's a Schwarzenegger movie I'm running to. <laughs> <laughs> I left out the best parts, too. Uh, I, I'm cheating, but... You get to watch Arnold Schwarzenegger almost run a horse off the top of a skyscraper. Oh, my God. Like 40 minutes in. <laughs> so so Samson do. has talked a lot about Arnold on the podcast. We've made fun of him for talking about Arnold, but it, it's it's a good gag. <laughs> so if he's specifically recommending this one and not just like talking about him watching it, I feel like I have to give it a shot just based on his history with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Yeah, he hit on the, the absurdity of it, which... If if he was leaning into just the this is a cool action movie angle, he could have accomplished because he could have just said Schwarzenegger. He could have said it's directed by James Cameron. Arnold is trying to save the world from terrorists, that sort of thing. And he would have gotten our interest. But the fact that he went for the the comedy, which is abundant in that movie, mm -hmm. it, this is not the best way to sell it necessarily. But Tom <laughs> Arnold is so good in that movie. He is Tom great Arnold in that movie. Is a legend in that movie. <laughs> and it how long they spend on these detours they really have nothing to do with the plot in that movie <laughs> yeah. it, it's it's because you got james cameron and arnold schwarzenegger and they're doing what the hell they want but they wrap it up nicely so samson it, with a different angle than i would have expected for true lies did just enough to get me intrigued had i never <laughs> seen the movie just all right, enough. all right Absolutely. I wear that with pride. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, honestly, if you just want to watch Arnold Schwarzenegger mumble about computers, like, with about, like, <laughs> mm -hmm. knowing as much as my grandfather and have, convincing everybody around him that he actually knows about computers, this is your movie. <laughs> <laughs> Hitting that precise niche that I didn't know I needed in my life. Yeah. Okay, so, so before we wrap up, I actually just have one final question, and... It's about the Ron Tomato meter. It was just something I was thinking of. So on your podcast, you go through, you talk about a movie, you talk about whether or not it should be fresh or rotten. Do the ratings ever change based on your podcast episode? Like, do you ever then influence the thing to change? Based on our episodes is a great question because a lot of people have a misconception about the tomato meter that it's it's oh that's what the tomato meter says with the tomato meter is just telling you what the score is it, it's just a it, it's an aggregation of how the critics feel about a movie so every critic has an equal say and so with critics i i don't know that anybody's ever listened to the show and then been like i'm gonna rethink that because we've had critics on and they'll passionately defend the argument so i don't know that we're necessarily influencing the tomato meter to wildly change 
but I will say that if you get the groundswell support for a movie that has been unfairly in a lot of people's opinions maligned when it was released like the example I gave of Sister Act 2 that movie has actually caused a lot of critics and maybe a lot of critics that weren't alive then or weren't reviewing movies that were kids to go watch that movie and say no this is a really good movie I'm going to write my take on it and so from that angle yeah I, I think it might turn on a younger generation of critics to be like oh what is this movie what, let me take a look at Ace Ventura and see if it should be rotten or if it makes me laugh, if it holds up today. So from yeah. that angle, yeah, it, it might have had a, a younger generation just going back and looking at movies that they haven't professionally reviewed with their newfound critical employment. So I, I, I think that, that that's an interesting conversation to have going forward. That, that's going to be something I keep an eye on, as a matter of fact. <laughs> that's a cool, cool way to look at it. Yeah. Well, Mark, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. It was such a pleasure to have you. Where can people find you specifically? You can find me sleeping in Sean's bed because I now live where he lives. So <laughs> he is out on the street. Um, you can uh, you can follow me on uh, all the social media stuff. Is uh, my name Mark Ellis Live at Mark Ellis Live, which hopefully I get back to being on stage live soon. And you can check out wherever you enjoy your podcast. Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong is the name of the show hosted by Jacqueline Coley and myself. And if you have the Peacock streaming service, which is free to, to download, you can check out the Rotten Tomatoes channel. They let me do a lot of talking head host kind of shows on there. And so you'll get really sick of looking at me, but hopefully my voice doesn't put you to sleep. So absolutely. <laughs> that's that's how i sell myself that's the confidence i have in myself <laughs> look you, you got the underlying confidence they're like oh i think he, i think he's confident i think he knows what he's talking about <laughs> mark ellis he didn't make me fall asleep <laughs> but anyways you can follow us on instagram at board and browsing podcast you can follow us on twitter at board and browse pod you can follow me specifically on twitter at slothenberg or you can follow me on twitch at slothenberger with the extra er you can follow samson samson did you wind up changing your twitter or what did you wind up doing with it nope but just follow me at at the underscore big underscore boomba hell yeah okay <laughs> The big uh, do do yourself a favor if you ever do change that hand, which I'm not saying it needs to be changed. It sounds pretty perfect <laughs> as it is. Is Thanks, man. make sure because I, I changed my handle from I was at 5150 Ellis when I started on social media because I'm a giant Van Halen fan, and mm -hmm. I wanted to. I was like, you know what? If I ever become friends with anybody in the band, I, they probably don't want like a weird fan as like a hanger on. <laughs> so I was like, let me just sell myself as Mark Ellis Live, but somebody else snuck in and got that handle so make sure you keep that handle Ooh. too if you can so that nobody okay. so that there aren't any sam impersonators running around out yeah. there because, good look, point good you're point. gonna a lot of people are gonna try to steal your identity out there don't let them do it on social media the boomba fan base yeah i wait I, i'm the big boomba what does <laughs> they think they're doing there's probably some 5150 ellis out there somewhere the, there there pops out a new twitter after this episode it's like the underscore real underscore big underscore boomba. Oh, no. Yep. Yep. You got to verify it somehow. <laughs> Absolutely. But Mark, thank you once again so much for coming on our podcast. It was such a pleasure to have you. And my name has been Danny. <laughs> Your name has been Danny? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're thinking about changing it to the underscore real underscore big oh, underscore boom. Okay, Danny, wow. I'm giving you the same advice as I gave Sam. If you change your name, make sure nobody else takes Danny. It's a good look for you. So sure. have it in your back pocket just in case. Sure. And I'm Samson.
Oh, and I'm Mark. There you go. Yeah. I'm Sean. Sorry. <laughs> Almost forgot my real name. Yeah, and this has been Board and Browsing, and we'll catch you all next time. Bye.